Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Season's greetings, everyone. It's December, and this is episode 45 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. My name is Jason A. Meiske, thriller author and your host for the weekly show that features an author reading a sample chapter from one of their books. As always, they are published books, meaning it is one that you can run out and get if you like what you hear. And of course, you're always going to love what you hear. Because, because you know, this is, I think that's the unique thing about this show is that the authors themselves are the ones reading it. Yeah, it maybe it's not the same as, as you know, voice actors who do an amazing job. Certainly last week's guest, Scott Meyer, he's got an amazing voice actor for his series of Magic 2.0. But, you know, not every author who comes on the show is has success at the level that Scott Meyer does. Sometimes we have brand new authors. Sometimes we have authors who are still in the, uh, you know, that mid-range. They've had, got a couple of books. They're still looking for that one that's going to strike. Regardless, I don't care what your success level is. If you've published a book... I'm happy to have you on here. So far, we have had 40-some amazing authors. Certainly very interesting, every one of them. So thank you so much for coming back, tuning in for another episode. All of you out there who are subscribers, thank you so much. Reach out, tell a friend about us, and uh, you know that's the best way you can help out the show is by telling a friend and getting them to subscribe as well. You know, And maybe you're an author that's listening to this. If you are, reach out to us. I would be happy to have you come on. Like I said, I'm not worried about your status as an author. You know, whether you're real famous or whether you're brand new, go ahead and reach out to me. Let's get something set up. You know, let's let's do this thing. <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun talking to everybody. Well, that's my invitation to all of you out there. Now, how can you reach out to me? Well, we have an email which is samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. It's just the show name, Sample Chapter Podcast. We post and tweet. <laughs> it's the right thing. Yeah, if As a subscriber, you've been probably catching me uh, trying to understand the lingo because I'm still fairly new with Twitter. I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't keep saying that. I mean, I've been on Twitter now since, I don't know, sometime this summer. But yeah, I'm still still figuring it out. But anyway, yes, we we Facebook, we tweet. You know, you can find the show on pretty much any podcast world out there. So find us, like us, subscribe, and that's the best way to reach out to us. Like I said, we do have some very, very exciting news coming up. It looks like it's going to be towards the end of the year uh, before I can, before I really feel comfortable announcing it. But uh, I want to, I just want to wrap up some things. Uh, it's pretty much a done deal. Make sure you stay tuned, and uh, that way you uh, get to hear what we're doing, really, to kick off 2019. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And I, I, You know, this is just another teaser, I know, and I apologize for kind of stringing you along, but I promise you it's really, it's really good stuff, and it's a lot of fun. I'm very excited. Anyway, how about some NaNoWriMo? Now that we're into December... It's that ho, ho, ho time of year, meaning November's done. Ah, yeah, this is yet another NaNoWriMo where I did not win. <laughs> I did all right, though. 
I really did. I, I did all right. I'm really happy. I, I did finish up around the, I think, oh gosh, where was I now? Uh, I finished up around that 25,000 words. So half, you know, halfway there. That last week is what really killed me. I, I had some great momentum going. Uh, most days I was averaging around 1,000 to 1,100, 1,200 words. But I had other days where I would kick it up around 2,000 or maybe a little bit more. But man, that last week, I, I started dragging a little bit and then going into Thanksgiving and of course my birthday and Black Friday and so many other things uh, that just, it killed my momentum. And then last week, I just got nothing done at all. I had so many things with uh, the weather and my work and anyway, that's excuses. You know, I could have, I, I could have done better, but I'm happy. I'm really happy because I've got half of a book done. You know, I've got some other ones that I've started and I've outlined and I've got some chapters written on there, you know, a few things. But this is great. I mean, this is the most work I've done on a, on a new book since I finished my last one, uh, which is in one aspect, it's kind of sad to say, but it's exciting nonetheless. And I'm, I'm really happy. I'm, 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 it's turned out well and I, I can't wait to, uh, you know, keep going with it and I want to get this book done and... If everything goes the way I hope it does, then uh, 2019 could end up being a banner year between the changes coming to the show and maybe I'll have three new books. We'll see what happens. Wouldn't that be something, huh? <laughs> well, tune in. You never know. Hey, it's uh, that time of the show where I need to get us over and do our sponsor spot because we have a very special sponsor who's been with us for a long time, been with us really since the beginning. So I do want to send that over with a great, great big thank you to Ustorall of Warrensburg, Missouri. They are your ultimate place for self-storage needs. If you are, you know what, let's just say if you're military. Let's say you're a military person, you're overseas somewhere, you find out, oh, I've got orders to Whiteman Air Force Base. Well, going to have to store some stuff. Where am I going to put my goods? Contact you store all out of Warrensburg, Missouri. It's right next to Whiteman. They have military discounts, climate control, which is heated, cooled, and dehumidified. So it's just like storing within your own home. Non-climate control as well outside. You know, it's 24-hour access, completely fenced in, and more than 40 cameras recording 24 hours a day. Top-of-the-line security. And as we speak, I've uh, been talking about this for a while, but as we speak, they have two new buildings going up right now. So, Ustorall is the place to go to store your goods. Check them out online at ustorall.net. That is the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L dot net. Today's guest is Michael A. O'Leary Jr., I wanted to emphasize his name because going back through the interview and doing the editing that I do, I realized it, I, I, it feels like I kind of went over his last name kind of fast. But whenever you say it all together, Michael A. O'Leary, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's the way I'm hearing myself talk. It doesn't sound like I'm saying his name right. So I want to make sure that uh, for the purposes of the show, you're hearing the emphasis so you know who you're looking for when you go to Amazon. If you don't click on the links in the show notes, then you'll know who to look up. Michael A. O'Leary Jr. Like I said, maybe you should just click the links. <laughs> anyway, Michael was fantastic. Uh, it turns out he's a friend of a former guest who uh, told him, hey, you need to get a hold of Jason. 
uh, get on the show. So I want to make sure and give a big shout out to Jessica Walsh. Thank you so much, Jessica. You were a fantastic guest, and I really appreciate that you uh, suggested me to Michael because we had a fantastic talk. Uh, Jessica is also in this book, so you get to hear, uh, you get to see another piece of her work in this. And uh, the name of the book is called The Subverted Fairy Project. Now, this is book one of a proposed series that they're working on. And, you know, he's going to describe it better than I can. But long story short, this is a collection of 15 artists, whether they are authors and artists. They took the name of a fairy from another language, created a piece of art, and then using that piece of art, they created a story. And there's... 46 of these in this book and it's amazing it is so it, it, oh my gosh i mean it, this is just so cool i got to thumb through it a little bit and i mean it's just the the art is incredible the stories their their poems uh so, you know some of them read like song lyrics uh there's little short stories you're gonna get to hear three of these stories today so it, you're gonna get a little sample of it Haha, <laughs> thus the sample chapter podcast name. But it like I, I can't put enough words to it, and I'm not gonna try because you're gonna hear all about it from Michael coming up here in just a few minutes. Uh Michael also has a few other names or a few other books that he has written. And I think I I think I kind of misspoke a little bit whenever I w- we were talking. Uh his first book is Tirada. Uh came out in twenty sixteen and then Last year, 2017, he had a new book, Choices and Metamorphosis. And I'm trying to remember, I think I may have said metaphors. Choices or metaphors. I'm not sure if I said that or metamorphosis now. I I think I'm messing with myself. I don't know. But anyway, his book in 2017 was Choices and Metamorphosis. So, you know, and those look amazing as well. But I, I just, I keep coming back to this other book, the, the Subverted Fairy Project. How cool is it that he was inspired by something, you're going to hear about it, but he was inspired by something, he reached out to others and said, hey, let's do this together. You know, there's lots of authors out there and we get to, sometimes we get to work with other authors and put together an anthology. This is just like next level stuff. This is just such, one of those things that's really cool. And he wants to do more, more and more. He wants to do several you know, books in a series. So I look forward to this. It's such a cool thing. You need to check it out. Depending on where you're downloading this show, you're going to get to see the cover art for it. So if you don't see the cover art when, you're, when this show is downloaded, then follow the link, go to the website. Go to his website or go to Amazon and you can see it. It's really cool stuff. So I'm going to stop talking because I, you know, I can't put this into, I cannot put this in in the kind of words that he can. And so I'm just not going to try. Let's get on over to our interview with Michael A. O'Leary Jr. Hello, my friends. 
Welcome to another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Jason here with this week's guest, Michael A. O'Leary Jr. Did I say your name right? Yes, you did. Okay, great. <laughs> Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I'm, I'm really happy. I'm really excited about this project you got going on. I can't wait to dive in, but first, go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Michael A. O'Leary Jr., as you said, and I have published a sort of genre-bending horror novel in 2016 called Tirada, and a collection of short stories in 2017 called Choices and Metamorphosis. And so the Subverted Fairy Project is sort of my book for 2018, trying to do one book a year. Um, I went uh, to, I grew up sort of in the military and ended up in Oklahoma and Kansas a lot. I ended up going to college at Kansas State University, getting an art degree, and moving up to Minneapolis where I work now. And I uh, have been working very closely with a lot of arts programs here in the Twin Cities over the course of the last year. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so you had that uh, that first book, uh, Tarada. Mm-hmm. Now, what was that about? Uh, mostly monster sex, but also <laughs> violence. Uh, <laughs> so it, uh, the, the premise behind it being that there are these sort of monsters running around. Uh, I tried, because I come from a very literary background more than sort of a genre background in terms of my education, I tried and uh, had a lot of fun with the idea of monsters and what, what is a monster and how, does, how do monsters work. And so we have real monsters and then we have sort of metaphorical monsters and just, you know, a whole book full of monsters. One person read it and said, Mike, these people, they're all monsters. And I was like, yes, yeah, that's pretty much the point, right? Wow. So, yeah, it's a book about monsters. Okay, and then you follow that up. You've been you've been having a really great uh, turnout with a book a year, which is a, a really good uh, pace, I think, to uh, to set up. The next one uh, a year later, Choices of Metamorphosis, yeah. and, and that was a series of short stories. Yeah, Choices and Metamorphosis came about because as I was writing Tarada, I needed to take break from it occasionally, and I would just write whatever. And these things started to develop, and there were just kind of a pile of them. And as I got deeper and deeper into 2017, the pile kind of doubled in size. I found myself writing more and more short stories as I was working on the second novel. And so eventually it kind of hit ahead. And to get, you know, my goals, which was one book a year, I said, ah, oh, wow, I have this, you know, pile of short stories. I'll, I'll edit it up, uh, put it together and, and put that out as a book. And I'm pretty happy. It takes place in the same sort of world that Tarada does. I write in a sense where, you know, I, I kind of keep characters and settings relatively stable in my head. I can't write in 45 different worlds. So in that sense, it dovetails with Tarada neatly, uh, deals with some backstories that maybe the novel left out, uh, fills in some ideas that I thought were kind of fun. And also each, the nice thing about a short story is it allows you to kind of thematize around specific ideas and locations and and so I could kind of spread it out over the United States rather than having it all set you know sort of in Minnesota and Tennessee and and uh, Iowa yeah okay well that's pretty cool I always like the short stories too you get a collection from somebody and it gives you really uh, a good example of uh, some of their range and that's why I always liked about those as well so Mm -hmm. so you are an artist an author poet musician and now we're we're a uh, audio podcast, so the people at home can't see behind you with the uh, the art, uh, and then of course the book you got coming up. Now, 
I'm going to take a guess. Is that uh, I keep thinking Bruce Lee, but I'm not sure if oh, that's correct. In the background? Yeah. Actually, that's a friend of mine made that uh, when I was working in a, the, arts, the arts incubator in Kansas City uh, in graduate school. And it's a fun fun picture. He was doing uh, he was doing a combination of sort of an Eastern motif with uh, models from magazines and then also adding in Renaissance religious iconography. <laughs> so it's, it's really delightful mashup. It would be yeah very difficult to to see you know all the subtlety. He did a whole lot of crazy things and that's a very big piece. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's it's good stuff. Yeah. I, I, original art around my house. I couldn't afford any of it, but because I'm an artist, I've been fortunate enough to be able to trade. <laughs> <laughs> and that's been, that's been really great. I love to have, I love to have art made by someone's hand to look at. It does, it, to me, it kind of, it, it speaks a little bit more. Plus I know the people and it just helps remind you of your friends and that's always good. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it seems like art is, is a really big influence for you, uh, <laughs> particularly with the book we're, we're getting ready uh, to, you know, that's about to come up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you do a lot of the, uh, the art within this book. Do you do the covers? On, the, on your cover, the cover was done by Vu Dang. He, he does a lot of digital art. He's got all kinds of different art in the book. It's a very mixed media book, but Vu, I remember the day Vu sent me the, the image for the cover and I just replied, Oh, Vu. (laughs) (laughs) It clobbered me. So right onto the cover it went and, and we've been very happy with, with that one, but no, I did not do the cover. Okay. All right. What about your other books? Did you do the covers for those? Yes, I did do the covers for Tirada and Choices and Metamorphosis. Okay. All right. Well, that's really cool though. So now, uh, you've got the, uh, the subverted fairy project, which is uh, the big book here that, uh, is getting some attention, and uh, this is book one in it. Tell mm-hmm. us, tell us about this book. So the project's inception comes when I took my kids to a fairy event at an art space in Minneapolis, and it was a really fun event. It had a lot of neat things. It had a bunch of art on the walls. It had a mermaid in a pool. It had uh, aerialists and all kinds of cosplay and face painting and all the things you would expect to kind of see at a fairy event. But one thing that struck me as I was wandering around with my daughter was that all of the art on the walls showed kind of these skinny white girls with wings on mushrooms and on trees, sort of Tinkerbell everywhere, but, you know, with different themes, but just kind of spinning Tinkerbell. Mm -hmm. And when I got home, I was like, hmm, you know, what what does the world really think a fairy is? And so I Googled it, and I was like, 35 pages of the exact same thing. (laughs) Wow. It's like, wow, that's the thing, is it like... And, you know, uh, with a last name like O'Leary, you know, there's a lot of sort of Irish steeped into what I do. I don't really claim a great deal of cultural heritage there, uh, Lucky Charms and Guinness being what they are. But outside of that, the the idea of sort of the fair folk or, or fairies as these sort of primal nature things, these the old time fairies, the ones from before the Tinkerbell era of the 20th century, have always been kind of fascinating. The she, lots of different things that, that go on in the Gaelic and Celtic traditions. And at the same time that all this had happened, I was reading Robert McFarland's Landmarks, which is a book where he journeyed throughout Scotland, Ireland, Wales, and England, and collected colloquial words that were spoken in specific places about specific phenomena of nature. So what, in a, like in one county, they might call 
uh, mountains, some very specific word. A lot of these words have Gaelic and Celtic origins and roots. A lot of them have these just really delightful sounds, and they're all about nature in a very specific way. And so it kind of occurred to me that if you were to take the idea of a fairy outside of sort of the 20th century context, Tinkerbell, maybe even outside of its original roots in the sort of primal nature way, and and bring it into really bring it forward, what would you do? You you know. And the words, so I have a bunch of artist friends and a bunch of writer friends. So I said to my, my, a bunch of my artist friends, who are a very diverse uh, group of individuals, and I said, if, we, if you took one of these words and drew a fairy or painted a fairy or built a sculpture out of a fairy, you know, what would you do? And it really caught traction. The artists were like, well, let's do this. Like, let's have meetups. It's fun. And we did. And we had a ton of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and as, as the artists were really building out the artwork, we brought in writers and the writer would then look at the artwork and the word and the word's meaning and write a one page poem, piece of flash fiction, sort of conversation story. And together the word, its meaning, the art and the writing make the fairy. And what we found was that these fairies went all over the place and they really got kind of personal. There's a lot of intersectionality in this. It's not just, what you would expect a fairy book to be. It goes, it goes really, really deep. And the work came in super hot and really great. And so as we went along, it, it really kind of came together and gelled into, into what you see, which is our final product in the Subverted Fairy Project book. That's really awesome. I, I hadn't thought of it like that in that, so you, they, everybody took a, a photo or a piece of this art and then you write a story about that. It reminds me of, um, oh, I forgot who said it now, but uh, they said you don't write a story about uh, the girl inside the house. You write a story about the the broken baby doll laying in the yard. Yeah. Uh, the the tipped over tricycle that's in the street. You know something like that. That's what you write about. You know you write those kind of things. So this it, it kind of reminds me of the same thing here of what you did where it's and I've, I've seen the pictures uh, mm -hmm. some of these uh, these fairies and just amazing pieces of art. So I can just imagine what that would be like to have a sample and say here, tell me a story about this. Yeah, and it reverses the illustration process. Usually in books, a writer writes something, and then the illustrator comes in and usually completely wrongly somehow on the cover of books illustrates. <laughs> like you think of fantasy novels, and there's like, you know, how many fantasy novels have you been like? Where in the world did this come from? <laughs> you know, <laughs> we reverse the illustration process entirely, and we had a lot of fun doing that. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. And you have uh, 46 pieces of work, 45 mm -hmm. stories to go with that. Tell us about that 46th. Yeah, sure. So there are 45 fairies in the book, so 45 pieces of art and 45 pieces of writing. And then the last one, Nail Burn, we allow the, the reader to write their own response right in the book. When you buy the book, we would like for you to become part of this collaborative effort. And so you have the opportunity then to add to the book with writing, and you can tell the story or write a poem for Nail Burn. Uh, the last the last piece in the book haha <laughs> that is so cool i really like that uh so now out of all these you've got almost half of these are your own stories uh 18 of them by my count i could be i could be wrong but you did a lot of work on this book this, this is really great yeah the 18 is total between art and writing so i did 18 total pieces between the two um yeah and as as, as i was driving the project along 
that that was I was I was working full time on this and most of the other artists and writers they're going all sorts of different directions and we come together once a month to put things together and so since I was working on this full time for the last five months I obviously had a little bit more freedom to to add to the book mm-hmm. now this is book one mm-hmm. so going forward then uh, like what you're working on next I know you're you're working on um another book for your, of your own and then what would be book two is it more fairies or is there a different uh, direction it will be more fairies we there's several different directions we're looking at right now and it's all about lexicons so mm. i'm working with uh, a poet named brian dawara who has art in in or sorry rather has uh, poems in the, the first Spurted fairy project book but his organization lao imagination is about uh, the Laos experience uh, kind of across the divide from Laos to America and back and all of this kind of intersectionality that happens there. And, and so we're working on lexicons with, with Lao Imagination to have a subverted fairy project that deals with Southeast Asian words and colloquialisms that might be able to kind of, you know, bring Lao Imagination and the subverted fairy project together. And we have quite a few of our members are from Southeast Asia, Van Thong Lao and and Dang. So some of this dovetails neatly into into work we've already been doing. We also I come from Kansas and I know a lot and I got an art degree from Kansas, so I know a lot of people from Kansas and it's really interesting. I called up some of my friends right about the time we published this book and I was like, here's a shared doc on Google. If we were to build a lexicon of Kansas specific words, what would it look like? And holy crap, I got. <laughs> you know, we might do one for Kansas, uh, trying to avoid the Wizard of Oz as much as possible, but probably not entirely. And uh, then, you know, science, I have a really strong background in science. So I have always kind of thought so many times science words, people are so afraid of them. And one of the neat things about fairies is they, they activate your imagination. And when people's imaginations are activated, they just become less frightened of things. And so I've kind of wanted to... In the future, we'll partner with a scientific organization of some variety. And so I'm not sure which one will happen next. You know, we just got this one out, and I focus on one thing at a time. <laughs> if, you just, if you try to do the next thing too soon, and so it's not all coming together. But, yeah, it'll be the same basic premise. There will obviously be little shifts and things, but the main difference will be in the lexicons, the source of the lexicon, and how the artists and how the project handles that source. you got so many people working together. Why don't, why don't we give them a big shout-out? Sure thing. Our contributors are Kate Bitters. She did stories for our book. Vu Dang, who did stories and art. Terry Faust, who did stories. Christina Maria, who did art. Uh, Aaron Sobolton, and she did stories and a poem. Abra Staffenweeby did four stories. Sloan Taylist did a couple of acrostics and a story, and then... I don't know what you call it, but it's a poem in a crazy shape where you have to kind of read it by turning the book around. And then Margaret Taylor. Margaret Taylor accidentally did two works for the book. She came to one of our artist meetups and made the things and then forgot to take them with her, and I took them home, and people chose them. So thanks for accidentally doing that, Margaret. Uh, Brian Dalwara, is he drew four poems for the book, so they're poems in drawn form. And E.J. Thompson did artwork for the book. Van Thong did artwork for the artwork for the book. Uh, Tyler Torque did uh, stories, and Jessica Walsh did both stories and artwork, and Conrad Zero did stories. I knew I know one of those names in there too. So Jessica Walsh, former yeah. guest of the show. So yes, yeah. 
got a great book, Little Creepers. Yes, absolutely. That is so cool, man. Uh, tell the audience uh, where can they find, where can we find you online? Amazon, um, Amazon. and it's subvertedfairy.com. So if you want to buy the book, you can go to subvertedfairy.com, and we've got a couple you know ways for you to buy, click and click links and buy it there. You can just jump on Amazon and search for it. And there's the beauty is there's nothing named anything like this anywhere. So subvertedfairy <laughs> <laughs> into the internet, it'll it'll kick out. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. All right. Well, uh, this is just awesome stuff. Uh, you know, I got to dive into it some, and I can't wait to uh, to hear it from the creator's mouth, so to speak. So uh, thank you so much, Michael. And uh, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, Michael A. O'Leary Jr. with the Subverted Fairy Project. Okay, so as we've been talking about, there's art that goes along with each one of these, which in a podcast, obviously, we can't, can't help you with. But... Uh, I, I kind of have made a selection to kind of show poetry and some short stories. So I am going to start with a short story. And one of the interesting things about these words is that a lot of them come from Gaelic, and uh, this one's Irish. And the phonics is not friendly. They didn't use normal English phonics when they when they translate these words. And there's no good way to go on to the internet and say, what is this? How do you pronounce this word? Because this word is used by maybe 10 people in a fishing village, right? So it's been a little bit of a challenge to, to try to respect the pronunciations. So if you're Irish and you're hearing this, forgive me and <laughs> I'll do my best. But, uh, so this first one, which is spelled, if you look at it on the page, does not look like I'm about to pronounce it at all, but it should be, uh, and gracion means unseasonably cold and windy weather in the Irish. And this story is by Conrad Zero, and uh, I did the artwork for this one. Over the sound of the storm, I heard a whoosh of feathers. A flock of white landed beside me. It was Tom, a barn owl from a nearby farm. Even Garvey, Tom said, fluttering wet snow from her wings. Once settled, she looked at me. The mushroom I stood on put us eye to eye. Tom's eyes were like two pitch-black beads of glass on a white feather pillow. Hey, Tom, I was wondering when you'd show up. I turned my focus back to the ridge, where two campers scrambled to dismantle the campsite they'd only just finished assembling. A portly man rushed around the tent, pulling up the metal stakes with one hand. With his other hand, he held a wide-brimmed hat on his head that threatened to fly off in the wind. A tall, thin woman jammed sleeping bags into the back of a green jeep. Her blonde hair turned white as the wet snow plastered against her. Hell of a storm there, Garby. Blowing clear to Glasgow, away. I watched Pond out of the corner of my eye. Not that I was worried. Barn owls never ate fair folk, as far as I knew, anyway. They're not supposed to meddle, you know. I shrugged. Does it look like I'm meddling? The storm escalated, tiny pellets of hail now mixing with the sleet and rain. A sheet of white began to build up on the windward side of the orange tent. Ticking noises echoed off the jeep as the tiny pieces of ice pinged the metal and glass. Well, at least pick one, Tom said. Come again? I can understand rain and sleep, or rain and hail, or even sleet and hail if you want to be a real wanker, but all three? That's too much. I grunted, but maintained my focus. The man had given up on folding the tent. Instead, he carried the soggy orange bundle to the jeep and jammed it in there with everything else. The blonde woman stuffed bottles and cans into a backpack near a formerly blazing campfire, now reduced to a faint smolder. We're just supposed to watch, Darby. I am watching. From the corner of my eye, I saw Tom smile. It was odd for an owl and looked kind of frightening until you got used to it. 
I suppose you've done him a favor, Darby. Who knows what would have happened if they had ventured much further up the coastline. I knew what would happen. We both did. The jeep roared to life, headlights burning twin beams into the slashing storm. The campers would be cold, wet, and miserable on the four-hour drive back to town. They might even think their vacation along the coast was ruined by a freak storm of rain and sleet and hail. But they'd be alive. We all would. So that is an example of sort of how you get flash fiction into into the book. So these stories are about all about that long um, for the stories. And then to kind of go into the poetry side of things, there we're going to do, and also a word that's much easier to say because it comes from Finland. Uh, <laughs> and this is called a ramper. The, a ramper means raised pathway through muddy ground in Finland. Their band, Bong Lao, did a monoprint for this one. It's rather nice. Imagine a very nice monoprint book. And so I did the poem for this one. Sparkling through your horses, I bend into a shape only imagined by young children on the verge of sleep, alone in a bed that their arms should never hang from. I am the path of the bed. If you stray from me, let just one limb, one hoof of your horse, fall outside my bounds. You will be pulled in, pulled down, pulled apart, made into the muck, consumed by slithering sensual fingers tipped with the barbs of your fears. The rocks beneath your horse's hooves are the oak-fed frame, the sturdy underpinnings of your fragile trust, your fragile beliefs, your fragile hearts. Ride like the wind, fear nothing. I am above the muck, above the fear, above the dreams of wicked children like you. And let's see here. Oh, we have one that's another story, more sort of poetic. The the writers were really given free range to do whatever. And so Kate Bitters, she wrote a story for a fairy named Rommel. And that one probably, I can't do the Scottish brush with the, you know, the Rommel. Um, no, you can't do it, sorry. But I'm sure there's a way of pronouncing that that's, that's way beyond me. So Rommel is branches or twigs from trees which have been felled and trimmed from Scotland. And the story is by Kate Bitters. And Vu Dang did a woodblock print for this one. It's very creepy. So imagine a sort of a dark, creepy woodblock print. Before it happens, a stiff wind always cuts through the forest. The animals, agitated, flee across fields, Gallop along roads, take to the sky in sun-blocking flocks, a frantic exodus. Branches tap out a warning in Morse code. Grasses hiss, go, go, go. Then, a hush. The forest waits, leans forward to listen. A creak, a moan. Rommel arches his back and rises. Another season, another solstice. The depth of winter darkness gnaws at the arboreal beast's stomach. His limbs shiver hollow. He is weak, but ready to spring. The silent forest begins to whisper. It sounds like pond reeds rubbing against one another. A buzzing anxiety whips through the leaves and branches as Rommel stretches to full, towering height. He roars. The hunger is painful, all-consuming. The forest knows Rommel will not sleep until he is satiated, until his belly is filled with blood. Resigned, the forest begins its swaying dance. It hums a chant. The vibrations carry through its roots into the ground, across the topsoil. A hapless traveler or a newcomer to the village may hear it, become enthralled by its tuneless sound, may take a step forward, then another. 
The villagers lock their doors, muffle their ears, wait for the awful siren song to pass. They clutch each other, wondering for the hundredth time why they remain on the edge of the mad forest, why they let themselves be cowed by Rommel's yearly lust for blood and flesh. When the song passes, they exhale relief. Someone, or several someones, have fed the beast. Their sacrifice is the salvation of all. The fear starts to ebb, knotted stomachs unfurl. Life marches forward for another season. So I think that's a pretty good, uh, you know, uh, sort of examples of, of what we do. Some of the poems get kind of crazy. We've got, you know, Brian Brian's poems are drawn, <laughs> which is quite beautiful. And then we've got pieces that are much more, uh, we have acrostics. So Sloan Taylist, she wrote poems, and then inside of the poems you can find, if you, if you want to, these other poems across and down and, and around. So we've got a lot of different kind of writing and work. Obviously the acrostics don't, they play a lot better visually <laughs> than they do reading, but uh, it's, it's the kind of work that really penetrates a whole lot of different types of writing. So and I think that's a, you know, decent three shot there that, that gives a good idea of where we're at. And that was artist, author, poet, and musician, Michael A. O'Leary Jr., reading three short stories from The Subverted Fairy Project, book one. It's such an amazing book. I, this is the kind of book that you get and you put on your coffee table, start a conversation with guests when they come over, go to the website, click the links, get yourself ordered one. Hey, Christmas is coming, people. This is a great book uh, to get for the artist friend and the family. Check it out. Don't forget to also subscribe to the show so that way every week you get to hear us talk with a new author, you hear a new book, and you get another sample chapter. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye. Bye.